from the American Academy of Dermatology, welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Ben Stoff, Editor-in-Chief. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Jules Lipoff. I'm an associate professor at Temple University in Philadelphia. Today, we're going to try to tackle a confusing but important topic. With me, we have Kevin Crawford, who is the immediate past president for the American Society for Mohs Surgery, and he's also on the practice management committee at the AAD. We are going to talk about the MIPS program. Maybe you are familiar with it. Hopefully, will be if you're in practice, it's very important that you have to be compliant with these things. And Dr. Crawford is going to help us work through and understand what it's about and how to keep up to date with it. Dr. Crawford, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So at a most basic level, we have so many acronyms and diseases and things and DERM. MIPS, it sounds silly, MIPS, HIPS, PIPS, SIPS. What is MIPS? What does it stand for? Well, so, you know, MIPS, it's a program that's designed, it's set up by Medicare, Medicare services. It's supposed to change this fee-for-service model that we have over time, try to gear us more towards a pay-for-performance model. Theoretically, it's supposed to help us improve the quality, value, accountability. I think it's supposed to help us shift from, you know, paper records over to these electronic medical records. And it tries to get the dermatologist to engage by collecting data, submitting data on certain quality measures, improvement activities. And it's also trying to encourage the interoperability. So getting providers and systems to more effectively talk to each other. So it's kind of bringing all those things together and trying to make us a more, I guess, effective and efficient medical system. We know that, you know, MIPS is for accountability, keeping track of data, all these things, as you were saying. But one thing I think that's confusing for a lot of dermatologists is if MIPS reporting includes only Medicare patients or all patients. Can you clarify that? Absolutely. So, and that can be confusing because in the past, all these improvement paying systems were primarily Medicare patients only. The thing that starts to be a little different with MIPS is that it actually includes all encounters, not just Medicare. Now, if you're a small practice and you're submitting claims through what's called a CMS web interface, then only your Medicare Part B patients will be included. Uh, however, if you're submitting through a claims or a web interface or your EHR interface, what's going to happen is that it's going to include all patients and encounters that you involve during that year that's being reported. Okay. Well, thanks for clarifying that. So based on all of this data that we're collecting, there can be payment adjustments. Can you explain how that works and how dermatologists can avoid getting a penalty? Certainly. So depending on the data that you submit, you could get a penalty of up to 9%. You could get a neutral adjustment, basically meaning there's no benefit, there's no penalty. You get the amount of reimbursement that you would normally get. And then there's this kind of mysterious sliding scale that I don't claim to know how it works. I don't think anyone does. But after Medicare reviews all the data, there's a potential bonus that they determine based on the sliding scale. So the other thing that's interesting about the payment is actually applied two years down the road. So if you were to do a submission in 2023, you would not actually see the penalty the neutral or the bonus until 2025. So to avoid the penalty, the AAD 
they have some great resources. So you can go to the MIPS section on the AAD website and there's a score that that will detail. So basically you need to have at least 75 points to avoid the penalty. If you get above 75, so somewhere between 76 and 100, that's when you potentially become eligible for a bonus. And then that's where the CMS Medicare will use this sliding scale calculation to determine if and how much of a bonus you would be eligible for. Got it. So continuing and talking about quality measures, which you brought up earlier, how does that work? How does a practice select quality measures? I mean, this is you know the highest weighted category in MIPS. What does an organization and reporting process look like, say, for your practice, or how should practices be approaching this? Well, we have a, a group within our practice, just uh, we're large enough to have kind of a MIPS committee or primarily some administrators, but then there's myself and one other physician on that committee as well. And we try to look through the different measures and select the ones that seem to be most applicable to our practice and also a combination of what some might call low-hanging fruit, like ones that are easy to meet that aren't going to be an overwhelming burden on the practice. And some measures are melanoma-specific or psoriasis-specific, and they involve trying to put together the most effective treatment plans, or they show that you have effectively coordinated care between clinicians or facilities. Some other measures that are easier and also applicable to dermatology practices would be things such as uh, tobacco status. And what you'll do is you basically can go through these measures and you can select them almost like a menu and you pick which ones are most applicable to your individual practice or your group, but also ones that you can hopefully meet without being an undue stress or burden on the practice. So when you choose these measures, then you then have to choose whether you're going to report them as a group or as an individual. If you're a group, all the physicians that are under your tax ID number can submit it as an aggregate. And what Medicare will do is they will accept the uh, overall aggregate and therefore, all the physicians that are overperformers, including the ones they can kind of lift up the underperformers, and you can all get the benefits as a group. The caveat that's important to that, even if your group decides to report together, if you have some high overachievers, they can also be individually reported separately. So therefore, as a group submitting all your measures, and numbers, you can lift up the entire group and get the benefits of that. But then if you have high performers, they can submit individually and they get the benefits as well. The final thing I would say about that is if you go to the AAD's website, they actually have a selection tool that will allow you to look at all the measures you can pick from, and then you can try to utilize that tool to help you select which measures are most appropriate. Great. I think that's helpful, especially knowing about the AAD resources. So I know that during the pandemic, there were some CMS hardship exceptions, obviously, because there are a lot of unforeseen circumstances. Can you tell us if how that applies now as we're coming out of the pandemic? When should dermatologists consider applying for hardship exceptions? And is there one this year as there has been the past couple? Yeah, absolutely. And and so this year, we're starting to come out of the pandemic, so things do seem to be changing. So there's two of these exemptions that I think are fairly applicable. The first one is what we'll call the automatic exemption. So unfortunately, this is the first year where there's no longer any automatic exemptions because of the COVID-19 situation. However, 
you can apply for an exemption through the CMS's application process. They do have it on their website. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. So that's what they call an extreme and uncontrollable circumstance or an EUC exemption. So basically, a provider physician would go and they would explain the situation of what caused them this undue circumstance and did not allow them to collect the data for an extended period of time. And that could be if there's some circumstance that disrupted your normal practices, some sort of cost measure, something that prevented you from being able to report the data. And for that, you have to go directly to their website and you report that. Now, if you fit, there's another one that's called the promoting interoperability hardship. And that is one where you will have that portion of your reporting weighted at zero. And that's one that it's talking about the communication between offices and practices. And if for some reason you do not have the ability to do that, and those examples would be you have decertified EHR technology, you do not have internet connectivity where you live, you had some extreme horrible uh, disaster, you know, flooding, tornadoes, or, or something that affected your ability to do so, or you somehow have complete lack of control over the ability to get a certified EHR system. So that's also where you can carve out that individual hardship and apply for it, but you have to be able to prove one of those circumstances. So in small practices, the CMS does allow an automatic application of that PI exception. So there's no need to apply for it if you're under a certain threshold or number, and that can be seen on their website. But ultimately, it's up to CMS whether they approve either of those hardships. So it has to go through their website and their application process. So I appreciate that. That's all really helpful. I think a lot of doctors want to know about that. So is it possible to avoid any penalty for 2023 if you are a practice and not a small practice, like you mentioned, that would be exempt from these categories? Unfortunately, I think it's going to become increasingly more difficult to survive in that sort of practice. So with unless you're a you know a single provider, single dermatologist practice, that door is probably going to be closing pretty soon. So the recommendation is probably to find some sort of certified EHR system that will not only let you, you know, meet the MIPS requirements, avoid these penalties, because remember now it's not just Medicare that has to be reported. Although it's only the Medicare claims that are penalized, it's going to become awfully tough to avoid those penalties uh, for much longer. So you can go to the AAD website, and they have a very good EHR resource page. It will show you which EHRs are certified by CMS, which ones are approved for MIPS reporting. And then you just take a look at those, figure out which ones would be options for your practice and you know, start deciding if that's a direction you want to go, if you want to avoid these penalties that will be coming down the line. Great. So thanks for clarifying that on those exemptions and penalties and such. Moving on to reporting. What is the most efficient way for reporting MIPS? There's, there's two ways of doing this. Uh, there's one to use a certified registry, um, and then you can also use your EHR. So in my opinion, reporting through your certified EHR or a qualified clinical data registry, such as the AAD's Datadurm, I think they're both really good. I think they're convenient and they're effective. So each year, the MIPS uh, program requirements, they become more stringent. 
And in order for you to maximize your chances of success, I have found it to become increasingly easier to use a qualified EHR, but Datadurm certainly remains a good option. And I think you just have to explore both options for your practice and see which one works the best. But thankfully, these EHRs seem to be becoming progressively more integrated and more able to do the submissions and a lot of the work for you. And you don't have to use the third parties as much. Great. And I understand that there's also been some talk about these MIPS value pathways or MVPs. My understanding is that they're not available for this coming year specific to dermatology, but can you explain how that all works and what dermatologists know about those? Absolutely. So you're 100% correct that in 2023, there's not any of these MVPs available for dermatologists. But it might be a good idea just to know what they are for you know the future when they hopefully become available. But basically, they're a new reporting option that CMS is offering to meet MIPS requirements. The hope of them is that they're supposed to simplify and streamline providers' participation in MIPS. So each MVP is developed for a very specific medical specialty in mind, and it's supposed to contain measures and activities that are more specific to that specialty. So the option to participate in MIPS does begin in 2023. Once again, it's not required. And at the moment, there are no MVPs that are specific to dermatology, so it's not an option. So at the moment, we'll just be reporting through standard MIPS, but we'll want to keep our eyes open in the next couple of years. Maybe some of these MVPs will become available that will just seem more specific to the world of dermatology. So just a couple more questions and we'll try to give people back their time. Thank you for giving all this expert information. I guess I don't, I think a lot of people don't really understand how these MIPS payment adjustments, how they work. Like for how long does an adjustment last? Uh, If someone leaves a practice, does that adjustment follow them? How does it work? And that's an excellent question. And that's where things get very complicated, especially the part with leaving a practice and how long they follow you and the long-term and I guess short-term situations. So as we discussed, when you report in 2023, it's not going to actually affect your claims until 2025. And the difficulties with this is when you leave a practice and then you're reporting on partial years, it can really cause a lot of confusion And it's kind of similar to maybe changing accountants in the middle of a tax year. You have two groups that are kind of looking at one set of numbers. So because of the nuances involved in a situation like that, where you leave groups or you're trying to figure out where your numbers and data are going to follow you, I I think it's probably best to reach directly out to CMS with your specific situation and question, and they can probably guide an individual dermatologist or practice on what to expect and best practices. So we try to submit our data to CMS. How do we confirm that that happens? And how do we find out what payment adjustments are? So in my experience, there's something called a HARP account, A-H-A-R-P. And basically, I suggest everyone sets one of these accounts up. And that's what allows you to monitor the status of your submission. So it's basically a secure identity management portal, and it's provided by CMS. So when someone creates a HARP account, once they submit their data, whether it's through your EHR registry or Datadurm, you can almost immediately see that that data has been received. And then you can track that data. And the other benefit is that you will see the response from CMS 
almost immediately once it's provided. So by utilizing this HARP account, it lets you see your past submissions, view your performance feedback, your payment adjustments, access all your CMS submissions. So it is, in my opinion, probably the easiest and most efficient way of monitoring the status, not only of your current year, but previous years as well. The one thing is to remember that the HARP account is managed by CMS. It's not managed by the AAD. So you need to go through the CMS to get that set up. So this has been all really helpful. I think this is a challenging topic. It's dry and not as exciting as a lot of uh, dermatology things, but all the more important. We're all trying to be compliant and get our practices running efficiently and appropriately. Where can we direct members who have more questions or need more information about MIPS? Well, I think the AAD does a great job outlining the resources and kind of almost as a breadcrumb type approach on their website. So if you go to the aad.org slash MIPS and you go to that main page, they have this three-step guide and it helps you decide whether you should participate in MIPS and tells you how to avoid penalties, earn incentives, and all these things we've talked about in this interview. It really lays those all out in a pretty straightforward way for members to review and help them through the process. Great. Well, thank you so much for all that information. I know I've learned a lot from this. So Dr. Crawford, appreciate your time. Thank you all for listening. This has been Dr. Jules Lipoff for Dialogues in Dermatology. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to another edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. For more dialogues, subscribe to us through the website of the American Academy of Dermatology, then link your subscription through your favorite podcast app. Remember, the subscription is free for residents. New podcasts are released each week in addition to free special bonus episodes. You can also listen to dialogues online through the AAD website. Thanks again for listening.